0: This is a podcast from Seven Vineyard. Good morning, my name is Owen Lynch. I'm one of the co-lead pastors here of Seven Vineyard in Bristol. And I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this talk today. I am so excited that we are talking about emotional health as a church because we've come to realise in the last two years that our emotional health um, is, is absolutely central to our spiritual health. Our spiritual health will never outpace our emotional health and in the first three episodes uh, of this box set series that you can listen to on our website or indeed on our new podcast um, then we have looked at um, just the importance of addressing our emotional health before we hit a crisis rather than just waiting to hit a crisis Um, the importance of our family of origin to our emotional health and the third one was based on the importance of understanding our limitations and our responsibilities to our emotional health. Today, uh, we're going to be looking at the importance of embracing uh, loss and pain as we pursue emotional health. In this process, we are inspired and grateful to our friends who lead the My High Vineyard in Denver, Colorado, and also the books written by Pete Scazzaro um, on the basis of emotionally healthy spirituality. You can see one of his books, Behind My Right Shoulder now let me ask you a question um how many of you remember like a big catastrophe a big event like 911 how many remember of you remember what you were doing when something like 911 happened now some of you may not even be old enough to remember nine eleven, but for me I had just finished a shift at the hospital where I was working as a physiotherapist I had traveled from the hospital on my um, Piaggio uh, scooter uh, to my gym at Holmes place which was a renovated train shed and I remember standing on the running machine horrified at what I was seeing on the tv screens in front of me which was live footage of a plane hitting the Twin Towers and then everything that then ensued in that terrible tragedy. Why is it that um, these collective events that we tend to witness together are so seared onto our memories? Why is that? What, what is happening there? Well it's, it's true that when we experience pain and trauma the memory tends to be imprinted Um, And we we can remember the detail really clearly. And it's not just true of collective events. It's also true of personal uh, suffering and loss and pain. We tend to be able to remember the exact detail because of the emotional significance of it to us. And unfortunately, we tend to relive those experiences over and over again through our lives. So if you... Um, have lost a parent, then you might remember the moment you knew you'd lost them. For me, um, I spent many uh, nights uh, sitting, looking after my father as he slowly ebbed away and died uh, 18 months ago, and I remember those experiences vividly. Um, Maybe you've gone through a divorce, and you can remember vividly the moment you realised your marriage was over. Maybe you remember in detail when you or someone close to you uh, was told that they were diagnosed with a serious disease. These moments stay with us. Um, They don't just stay with us, though. They they also tend to affect our future. And uh, the truth is, is that pain and loss inevitably changes us and has a direct impact on our emotional health. Uh, There's a book uh, written by a guy called Jerry Sitzer called A Grace Disguised, How the Soul Grows Through Loss. He wrote about the tragic accident, the car accident, in which he lost his wife, his four-year-old daughter and his own mother. And he said this, catastrophic loss by definition precludes recovery. It will transform us or destroy us, but it will never leave us the same. There is no going back to the past. I did not get over my loved ones. Rather, I absorbed the loss into my life until it became part of who I am. Sorrow took up permanent residence in my soul and enlarged it. So loss changes us, but it's not just major loss that changes us. Small, repeated losses also change us. One of the things and perhaps one of the sneaky things about pain and loss is that it can it can happen in small doses that tend to build up, stack up over time and have a disproportionate influence on our emotional health. So, for example, you may have a dear friend who gossips about you um, and, um, and that never gets sorted out. You never address it and, and it affects the health of your relationship going forwards. Or you may have a co-worker who you thought had your back. Um, but when the boss is critiquing you or saying something behind your back, they don't back you up. They, they just join in. And that affects your relationship. Um, you may have a neighbor who's making unreasonable demands on you and you used to have a great relationship with them. But now, because of this this situation, you know, whenever you leave your house or come home, you're just aware of this tension that exists between you and your neighbor and your relationship has changed. Um, not necessarily forever, but certainly until you do something about it. This stuff creates stress and anxiety and um, and often though we don't label it as pain and loss yet when it stacks up over time it has a similar effect on our emotional health and of course it's not just the negative experiences as well positive ones can affect us so For example, maybe you're a student and you're graduating and you're going to the workplace and and that's, although it's a good thing, it can be a really stressful experience and causes emotional pain as we leave behind an old life and start a new one. Um, Similarly, you may have a shift in career and move employers and, you know, you're leaving behind co-workers that become dear to you and a, a passion or an organization that's become an important part of your life and um, maybe you've got kids at home and, and and you know just just as they grow up it's so great of course you want them to grow up but at the same time you you miss and you sense the loss of the innocence of childhood or if you're empty nesters you you miss having your rowdy boisterous uh chaotic teenagers around the house um even though life's a bit quieter it's not as much fun right um you may decide to retire like some of our uh, friends here at seven are do at the moment with the Edwards. They're, uh, they're they're moving to the south coast We're going to miss them. It's a great thing for them we're so excited for them, but at the same time there's a sense of loss in it for them and for us of course uh, and of course there are other people who will leave the church as well from time to time indeed others um are uh, 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 moving at this time and you know that's, that's it's part of the life of church, but it, it causes a loss for us, and we need to grieve that and acknowledge that and address that. Um, it's these kind of losses that tend to go unnamed and unprocessed, and when that happens, they tend to stack up on themselves. And so, let me ask you a question. I wonder, what is it for you that, uh, that you're processing at the moment? What what losses are there in your life? Perhaps in the last year, particularly with the pandemic. You know, even if you've been thriving, there will be many ways in which you will have experienced loss this last year. We've lost so much as a society. Um, some of us have lost loved ones to the virus, or just we've just lost loved ones during this period anyway. And we've been unable to grieve properly because of uh, social restrictions. Um, some of us have not been able to celebrate birthdays, milestones like weddings and birthdays and graduation ceremonies. My own son, you know, just didn't get chance to effectively celebrate the graduation uh, from high school, finishes at GCSEs, and moving into his A levels. There was there was no opportunity. Celebrate and mark that that transition appropriately. Many of us have been unable to see family and friends who live in different parts of the country or indeed overseas. Others have lived by them who live by themselves have experienced intense loneliness in this difficult time. Some of us have lost our jobs or been furloughed and lost that sense of purpose and meaning that work brings to our lives and rhythm, of course. Um, kids have been unable to be at school together for about about six of the twelve last, last 12 months. Uh, they've been unable to share adventures together. They've missed out on school trips, on uh, school clubs, on um, extracurricular activities. Um, we've been unable to enjoy simple pleasures like travel or shopping or simply going to the pub, grabbing a coffee, eating at a restaurant things that we take for granted. We've been unable to sing together at concerts, at church. We've been unable to spend time in each other's physical company without a mask on our face. You know, as a society, we have really lost our huge amount in this last year. And um, and whilst many of us will try and shrug it off and you know, quite rightly recognize that there are many others who've had it far worse than we have. The reality is these losses do stack up in our lives. Um, And whether we um, choose to uh, acknowledge them or not, they stack up and they do influence our emotional health. They take a toll. So I wonder what is it for you? Where are you experiencing loss at the moment? And I just want to invite you to do a mental check, do a mental inventory of all the ways in which you have lost and experienced pain, in the past not just this last year but in going back further in your life as well where have you experienced grief and pain and loss and I want to encourage you to be really honest with yourself be honest with God and invite Jesus to help you know like sift through your experiences and identify feelings of of, of loss and, and and pain and grief you know um if you're wondering um, how you can recognize loss and pain and grief in your life, then there are, there are some things that psychologists have identified that indicate the presence of loss and grief. Um, perhaps something that's put you in shock, not necessarily really demoralizing, but you were so surprised that person said that about you. And that surprise is just is just is an indication of the, the sense of loss and pain from that experience. You may be the sort of person that doesn't often express emotions um, externally, uh, but you have a big outburst. Maybe you get really angry, or maybe you've just been, uh, well, maybe you've been getting angry repeatedly, or maybe you've been crying repeatedly, but that's just not normal for you. You wouldn't normally do that. Um, maybe you're feeling lonely and isolated. Um, you know, there are, maybe there's physical symptoms of distress in your body. Maybe you've got some sort of uh, skin condition that's just flaring up, or um, or you're just experiencing intense headaches. Um, you may be panicky about life maybe you're having anxiety attacks and panic attacks I know when I was in my 20s I experienced panic attacks and they were awful it was the most bizarre experience in my life and it was terrifying in many ways I thought it was going crazy but maybe maybe that for you is something that's indicating there's loss and pain in your life at the moment maybe you feel a sense of guilt about a loss that you've experienced Maybe you're filled with anger and resentment and it's just below the surface and it only takes small triggers to really cause you to explode. Maybe you resist returning to normal. Maybe after this pandemic, it's been such a painful time for you that actually the idea of going back to normal is actually terrifying for you. All these experiences are completely normal. So where have you experienced loss in this last year? Uh, I just want to encourage you to become present to that loss because the natural question is, What do we do with it when we see it? Like, what is a healthy way to deal with loss? If we're honest, our culture doesn't really help us that much with helping to deal with pain and loss. Our culture has lots of mantras like, oh, suck it up or um, just get over it. Just pull yourself together. These are phrases that that we we have in our society encouraging people to move on from experiences of pain and loss quickly and rapidly um, so that. Potentially it doesn't affect the, the person. I mean, it's said with care. But nevertheless, these things are like, they're probably not the most helpful way to deal with pain and loss. I have um, uh, three kids, as many of you know. Um, and if one of my kids um, fell off the bike and broke their arm, then my wife and I would take them to hospital. And of course, the doctor would x ray it. They'd probably uh, set the bones together and make sure that they're united, maybe with a fix. And then they pop her cast on it, and then for six weeks they'd, have, you know, um, say it was Emily; she'd need to wear the cast on her arm, and then we'd have to go for follow-up checkups in order to make sure that the bones were properly united and aligned in such a way, as the so that the the injury um, doesn't cause um, deformation of her arm and and dysfunction when she's older, and that's what we do with physical injuries like that. Um, but you know what? The truth is that for many of us. We have had experiences where we've had the emotional equivalent of a broken arm. And most of the time, most of the time, we don't we don't go to hospital with it. We don't stop and say something like, oh, that needs to be reset. That needs to be dealt with. Or that's going to impact the way that person experiences life in the future. We don't have a culture that necessarily does that. So the question is, if we want to get better at dealing with pain and loss, then how do we do that? Well, to do that, I want to suggest to you today that we look at a completely different culture. In this case, it's the Jewish culture. And of course, I'm referring to the Bible, but we forget too easily. We think the Bible is a Christian Bible. It's not. It's the history of the Jews. And Jesus was a Jew and the apostle Paul was a Jew. This is thoroughly Jewish culture. And for those of us who call ourselves Christians, we are more Jewish than we would actually really we really realize, I think, that um, we, we don't use the word Jewish to describe our uh, our approach to life or our view of life. But that's, that's, the, that's the heritage of Christianity. It's firmly rooted in God's dealing with the Hebrews and the Jews. Um, and the way that the Jews dealt with pain and loss is very different to Western society, which is astonishing, given that Western society is largely based on Christian principles. Two books in the Bible stand out, the Psalms and the Lamentations. The Psalms, we think, were written by King David and his associates, and Lamentations, we think, was written by the prophet Jeremiah and his associates. Now, they, the Psalms, more than half the Psalms, are laments, and they're not too cheerful. And as the name says, Lamentations is full of laments. Uh, and these laments, as with other parts of the Bible, pay attention to the reality that life is hard, it's difficult, and it's often brutal. Jewish culture, like many traditional cultures, doesn't hide pain and grief. Jews like David and Jeremiah express their laments by tearing their clothes, wearing sackcloth and taking ashes from a a dead fire and putting ashes on their head as an outward sign of their pain and loss and grief. And if you've ever seen a traditional funeral, perhaps on TV, or you've been present in a country where traditional societies um, uh, experience great pain and trauma, communities, they do it together and they wail and they sob with their family and with their neighbours to the point of exhaustion. And often it will last for days, if not weeks. And by comparison, in our society, we repress and we hide our pain and loss, often bizarrely to save face because we're hiding behind our masks and we're worried about what people think about us. And of course, we do this to the huge detriment of our mental and emotional health. So let's look at Psalm 42 that lays the groundwork for how we grow our mental and emotional health through pain and loss. If you've got your Bible, turn to Psalm 42. We're going to read from verses 1 to 5. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise amongst the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my king. Now, most scholars think that this is actually King David writing this and that it's actually a personal lament. And of course, he was considered to be with the greatest king of Israel. And clearly he's experiencing some loss here. Most scholars think it's one of two things. It's either at the beginning of his life when he's being pursued by King Saul, who wants to kill him, who's jealous of him um, because uh, David's been anointed as the new king. Um, or um, it could be at the end of his life when actually David's one of David's sons, Absalom, actually uh, commits a coup d'etat and, and runs king David out of town and sets himself up as king of Jerusalem. So at one of these points David writes Psalm 42 and what he's saying is that he used to go up to uh, the, the, the tabernacle in Jerusalem and worship God and he misses doing that he says I used to gather together with the people of God and worship God he loved that he looked forward to doing that his his greatest desire was, was to worship God and now he's saying he's been run out of Jerusalem or he's, he's at a point of loss uh, in, in being pursued by King Saul and he's out of his normal rhythms of life and he's lamenting that loss and that, we can probably identify that a little bit right because we've been unable to worship together and sing together and pray together in person for such a long time we're out of those normal rhythms as well and David is the same and he's saying it's hard but what's worse for David is is that um, in in this difficult time in this re- I mean it's not just difficult this is probably one of the worst moments of his life some people are saying to him, Well, I thought you were like anointed by God as king. I thought that your God was the great rescuer and saviour. Where's God now? Where's your God now? Like why is this difficult stuff happening to you? I mean you you know, you're one of God's favourites. Why why would this why would God allow this to happen to you? Effectively he's being taunted. And um and I, I think this psalm shows that um David's in a sense of grief and confusion over the loss that he's experiencing and it's really clear to see. What I love about this psalm is David's honesty. I mean, David is like the king of Jerusalem, the king of Judea. You know, honestly, he really um, he would have his advisors would have been saying, "You need to hold it together, sort this out, lead with strength and power, um, and just kind of put this stuff behind you." He would have been people would have been saying to him, "Like, suck it up, get on with it. You need to carry on leading as a king." But the reality is, he doesn't do that. He he exposes his heart and his loss and his pain, and he shares it with God. He shares it with people around him. And he's completely honest about it. And I just want to wonder what that would look like for you. How could you um, identify the pain and loss in your life and then share it with God and share it with other people? Maybe you could start by journaling and writing it down. Maybe you could start by sharing it with some uh, close friends. Um, what, you, what, we, what we mustn't do is, is push it down in our lives, like really suppress it and, and pretend it's not going to affect us. It so will. So. Are you willing to be vulnerable and share your pain and loss with God and other people? Are you willing to do that? I, I love that this psalm doesn't end at this point. David shows us the way forwards. At the end of the psalm, he ends in a different place to where he started. Verse nine, he said, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? And it, Again, just notice his honesty there. God, why am I still in this place? Like, why am I experiencing this loss? I didn't do anything wrong. And this is in verse 10. My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taught me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? And then you notice here. Here's the turning point. He says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. David's counsel to us is not to suck it up, not to rub it better, but it is really to do two things. To pay attention to it, to get honest with it, to stop playing games, to say that it hurts, to say that, it is, that I am in pain. And, and to say that this is impacting me and making a difference to the way I behave with other people. But then, of course, then David does something else. He turns a corner and he chooses hope. You know, it's not kind of some happy, clappy, false hope. It's not kind of, yeah, I'm fine, but when deep down, I'm not really fine. David roots that hope in the character and the past faithfulness um, of God to David. See, David's life is full of stories of where God has been faithful to him. Um, you know, we we know his story, right? So we can see the moment that he stood up to the Goliath, and God kind of um, slayed Goliath for him. Um, we can remember the time that God rescued him from King Saul. Um, we can uh, read about the times that, that that God rescued David from the lions and the bears who were attacking the sheep that he was responsible for as a shepherd boy, and. And and what David, David remembers all that. And what David says is, because of your faithfulness to me in the past, and because I know your character is always to be faithful and always to love and always to care. David says, I can trust you because you are faithful, even in the midst of my pain. David knows that God, as his forefather Joseph knew and said, that God will take what was meant for evil and use it for good. Which is an incredible statement. Do you know? That whatever pain you have in your life right now, that God's intention is to turn that into something good. And that might, that might be unbelievable at this moment in time, that your pain and loss is so great. But nevertheless, the reality we find in the Jewish scriptures is that God turns what was meant for evil into something good. And that is what he's up to right now in your life. That's quite a stunning Biblical principle that is meant to give us hope, even in the midst of the pain and loss that we experience. As I end this talk today, I just want to share with you one way in which I've seen this happen in my life. Um, for the last 12 months, I've met with um, some people you may know, Kevin Lark, Rob Collett and Rick Watts, um, once a week on Zoom for one hour. Um, and uh, it's, it's meant to be a triple, but it's quadruple, which is great. Just before uh, we meet on Zoom, uh, on a Tuesday evening at 8 or 9, we text each other um, one-sentence answers to three or four questions. Um, um, questions like, um, what's gone well this week? Um, what's triggered you emotionally this week? And what am I leaning into this week? And then each person, each one of us has 10 minutes um, to share what answers to those questions, helped by one of the other people who's who's effectively coaching us or asking us questions just to prompt us to, to speak about those things. And it's a really simple way. We don't do it for 10 minutes, but we do it for 10 minutes every week. And it's a real simple way of helping us make sure that we are reflecting one on our, our own lives, but also sharing our pain and our struggles and our anxieties with one another on a regular basis, on a weekly basis. Now, the power of this is that once a week, we have permission to be vulnerable and, um, and honest and Um, without it being weird because how many times have you kind of sat with a friend on the pretense of going out for a drink a nice relaxing drink because as blokes we'd like to do that we like to just go and talk nonsense with our mates don't we um but then one of us goes deep on something and it's ah that's a bit heavy i don't want to talk about that or that's just taking the conversation down well this is intentional we know that we've got 10 minutes to talk about um just our reflections on the previous week and it's been the most incredible experience together over the last year as we've sat together um once a week and we've shared the pain of losing jobs of Uh, losing um, family members, in in two instances, losing fathers, um, and the losses associated with the pandemic in our day-to-day lives. Um, We've not tried to solve each other's problems, which is our tendency as men. Any woman out there will know that men tend to try and solve problems. We've we've made a rule to not try and solve each other's problems, but just sit with the experiences that we have. And um, as a result, we've been able to encourage one another to share openly in a way that we wouldn't ordinarily do. And thereby we've grown in our emotional and mental health. It's been a tremendous um, help to each one of us as we've gone through this pandemic. Um, if you would like to do that yourself, Dan Green tells me that who's responsible for community groups at Seven tells me that there's been a surge in number of triplets being set up. And if you would like to um, do this, um, uh, then talk to Dan and he'll help connect you and, and give you the tools to do it. Friends, pain and loss and grief changes us. And the question is, are we gonna let it change us for the better or the worse? But of course, it's not just major losses that affect us. It's lots of small losses that stack up on top of one another that also can build up and have a devastating impact on our emotional health. God has not wired us to hide this pain. He's not wired us to sit behind our masks and pretend that everything's okay he wants us to pay attention to our pain to lament it but not do that by ourselves to do that with him and to do that with one another our emotional health depends on our willingness to do this and therefore also our spiritual health depends on that as well why don't we pray together